Hello, language enthusiasts, and welcome to The Language Worker, a space to talk about the people involved in the language business in a broad sense. I'm interested in finding out how their training, work experience, and their passion for languages has shaped our guests' professional and, of course, personal lives. Join me on this journey to explore the multiple and unpredictable paths one can follow when we are involved in the magical world of languages. When I invited Isabella to come on the podcast as a guest, I didn't know much about her. I basically knew that she had done some projects that entailed transcreating songs. However, our conversation took us in many unexpected directions, and we had an amazing conversation that expanded my mind and gave me a lot of new perspectives on how to work with music. Isabelle is a translator and a pronunciation teacher, and she's extremely knowledgeable and full of surprises. I'm sure this conversation will surprise you too. Oh my God, I'm so excited today because uh, I have Isabelle, I will ask her to pronounce her name properly in a minute. <laughs> Since, as I already told her, my French is totally passive. My French doesn't speak, <laughs> only listens and reads. Uh, but I'm just um, so happy to have Isabel here because she has been doing amazing things. And But I'll try not to talk too much about it yet. So I will just ask you to introduce yourself uh, briefly. And just pronounce your name in your beautiful French. Okay. Thank you, Rita, for the invitation. I'm very happy to be here and have this conversation with you. So my name is Isabel Cotteny with a silent T. Hmm. <laughs> and no diphthongs, right? So Isabelle Cotonet, and I'm a translator and French pronunciation. Wow. It's just, I cannot listen to, when you when you finish your sentences, it's a bit cut off, I think. Oh, okay. So <laughs> let me know. <laughs> Shall I try with my new microphone to maybe louder? If I yeah, turn it that sounds louder? Okay. Yeah. Is it better? Okay. 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 Let's continue. <laughs> okay. Yes. Then you were you were talking about yourself a little okay. bit. So yes, I'm a translator and French pronunciation coach. And I think we connected when you saw one of my posts on uh, what to know when you translate songs. Because yes. <laughs> it is a very well, it's quite unusual. This is not something I do on a regular basis, but it's something which uh, blends in the different aspects in my life, which are very important, languages and music. Mm -hmm. so I totally uh, hear you. I'm a diehard Madonna fan. I always have a Madonna reference see that. somewhere. <laughs> so yeah. this is exactly how I see the world, the connection between languages and music. This is exactly what, what rules my life too. So I was like instant, instantly drawn to your post and to you. And I was like, oh my God, this is like intriguing. <laughs> Let's yeah. talk about it because I totally get it. And I've always... I've also been involved in, in uh, translating songs, so, okay. But before we get into that, I was looking at your profile when I told you. So you've done a lot, you've studied a lot, you have an MBA, you, you have been in businesses, you have been oh, everywhere. That was <laughs> a long have. time ago. <laughs> but then I saw that you had been an interpreter for the Winter Olympic Games. So that seems to be like your first, at least in, in whatever you give us in your profile, your first... Um, Baptism, let's say that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's, to the, that's, the language work, uh, most specifically. Yeah, How that was, was that it. experience. Oh, wow. It was just mind blowing. 
<laughs> it was founding. It was a founding experience because um, actually I was studying. Uh, well, I was tra- studying translation and Zit, uh, which is one of uh, which is one well-known uh, translating studies school in Paris, mm-hmm. and it was in nineteen. So last... When you said the date, we couldn't hear it. The sound was not. Oh, there. okay. So here, maybe it, it was in 1992. Can you hear me better? Yeah, perfect. Last century, yes, long time ago. <laughs> so um, it was actually it was an opportunity through school because we had a lady who was in charge of the relationships with companies and the school. And since it was the year of the Winter Olympics in the French Alps, she um, suggested that um, the, the students in the third and fourth year uh, be a part of the uh, event. Mm-hmm. And uh, so there were opp- opportunities to be hostesses, trilingual hostesses, or interpreters. Ooh. And mm-hmm. I was lucky enough to be chosen, to be selected, to work on the... Uh, in a winter resort called Les Arcs, which is in the French Alps, where the uh, speed skiing competition took place. Hmm. And my role was to interpret during the race committees uh, every day after the the races and on the slopes. So so you were there where everything happened. (laughs) Yeah, at the start. If the, the races had any questions or needed to communicate with the organizing staff. So I would ride uh, on the snowmobile with one of the, uh, <laughs> yeah, I was, I mean, I was, I was very young at the time. That was just crazy because it was crazy too, because um, one of my dreams at the time was to work in the mountains. Uh, I, I was, still am, but less, uh, a big, mountain lover. I love hiking, uh, skiing, lots of winter sports. And I am not originally from the mountains, mm-hmm. uh, from the Côte d'Azur, the French Riviera. So oh. I, was, so I grew up <laughs> in Nice. <laughs> yeah, very. <laughs> we have mountains there, but nothing compared to mm-hmm. the northern French Alps. So when this opportunity came, I, I took it. And it was fabulous. Um, I did not become an interpreter afterwards, but Mm -hmm. it was a great experience. And it it was founding because that was my entry gate. Uh, Well, that was my access point for my first real job when Mm -hmm. I finished studying. Um, so after um, studying translation, I did an MBA, like you said. I will not dwell on that, okay? But at the end, of this, <laughs> at the end of this MBA, we had to do an internship. Mm-hmm. So I did that internship um, in the sales department of um, an accommodation mm-hmm. hotel and apartment rental uh, company, mm-hmm. which was very well known. So... At the end of my internship, there was a lovely lady who asked me, what do you do now? I said, I want to go to the mountains. You're, said, okay. you're already disappearing again. So I, there's something about the microphone. Either yeah. 
you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna turn it off, and we are going to just um, do it through the computer. I still need no sound now. One second, sound will come back very soon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Here yeah. you go. Yeah. Is it okay? Yeah. This is perfect. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we'll go low tech. We'll go low tech. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's fine. Okay. So, uh, yes, yeah, she asked me what I wanted to do after that internship. I said, I want to work in the mountains. What do you want to do in the mountains? And she said, okay, maybe you should meet this person. She is in Paris. She Well, this internship was in Paris, actually, at the headquarters of this big mm, company. Mm -hmm. I said, you should go and meet that person because she is uh, working in an international organization which is in charge of promoting French resorts uh, to on foreign markets. So mm. uh, to um, Japanese, Russian, uh, American tour operators. So she is hiring an assistant because she is leaving uh, her job in Paris to go and work in the mountains. Ooh. <laughs> to meet her. So we had a wonderful uh, job interview, which lasted two hours. And I know how that goes. <laughs> with people, that was just great. And she had to, uh, well, she had to submit my uh, application to a board uh, with the mayor, the director of the tourist board, the director of the oh, wow. federation of that resort. So very formal. She came back to me a few days after and she said, okay, you're on for an interview up there in the mountains with a whole board. It's you were like, oh no, I really hate the mountains. <laughs> oh, you do? <laughs> and you said, Okay, the interview is at 9 a.m. at the hotel where you'll be staying. The whole the whole group will be coming. We'll have breakfast together, and that will be the interview. Okay, I was 23 at the time, so it was quite impressive. So the interview went well. I was hired, and I stayed in Val because that was the name of the resort, for five years and worked with this wonderful lady, Carole. I was her assistant, and... It was just great life. It was a great life because it was an international ski resort. Lots of British people, so lots of opportunities to speak English. <laughs> One aspect of the job was to go abroad and take part in um, trade fairs to promote the resort, to tour operators and travel agents, to organize events in the resort and liaise with the travel agents who couldn't speak French. Well, it was just a great fabulous first experience but why was I hired because I was not from the valley so I was a foreigner because in the mountains when you're not from the valley you are a foreigner I was a real foreigner <laughs> <laughs> I learned afterwards that one of the people who worked with the mayor was actually the man who rode the snowmobile when I was working as a volunteer in the Olympics in another resort no <laughs> So he was able to vouch for me. He'd seen me work and said, yes, she's okay. She's okay. 
I so, love this. I love it. I I was not expecting that, but <laughs> I didn't write about it on LinkedIn. But yes, that's how it happens. Because I have a section that uh, that I wanted to create, but then it's not so easy. That it's interesting stories like that. So I I love gathering them, and I'd love to do like some sort of a special just with people who have these amazing stories about work, right? About language work, and this is a story about language work. So, so you're invited to that too. <laughs> Things happen when you don't necessarily expect them to. I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so that was the story of uh, the Olympic Games and Val d'Isère, where I stayed five wow. years. There's a, the... yes, there's a strange, mysterious connection. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was worked by the universe, right? Absolutely. The stars were aligned. So, then what happened? Uh, so then, but you weren't working, you didn't have a translation job, let's say that. Of course, languages I can only imagine was were part of your daily work and daily job and everything that you did was probably not even, most of it, not even in French because you have to be in international environments. Then what happened that you decided um, to become a freelance translator? How how did that happen from that kind of uh, lifestyle to that? Yeah, <laughs> Being all over big... the place from working by yourself, I suppose. Yeah, from going uh, skiing between noon, I, I mean, during my lunch break, to locking myself in a, in an office in front of my computer the whole day long. No, uh, what happened? Uh, <laughs> it was a big change. No, the thing is, um, that's why the, the road, well, the way was a bit um, winding. It was a long and winding road. Yes, yes. <laughs> I, I studied translation, but after my studies, I didn't want to become a translator yet. Mm. I felt I need I needed to have experience to gain experience in other fields. And so that's why I pursued my studies with this MBA. And so Val d'Isère, not a translator. When I left Val d'Isère, I went back to the south of France in um, like the French Silicon Valley. It's called mm -hmm. uh, Sophia Antipolis. So lots of tech companies, and I found a job. I found a job there, two jobs there. Um, still not a translator in those jobs. Was <laughs> uh, I was um, the assistant, the personal assistant to the manager of a startup, which was very um, good experience, but not a translator. And after ten years working not as a translator, I thought, hmm. I want to get back to it. Now's the time. Now's the time because I want to see uh, for real what I've done the whole the, the whole day. Because when you organize, coordinate, and liaise with people, prepare reports and presentations, for me, it was a bit vain in the end. I mean, the assistant, the assistant job, I mean, at... I'd seen all there was to see about it after 10 years. I needed to move I on suppose. to something else, obviously. <laughs> so um, the startup was um, uh, raised funds, and they, like any startup, they were uh, looking for another buyer for a company to buy them. Yeah. And that's when they started to lay off people or to suggest Oh, uh, if you want to go, <laughs> we can help you go. So I said, yeah, I want to go. I want to set my business. Uh, so I left and that was in 2002. And I've been a translator ever since. 
Oh my God. <laughs> and voila. <laughs> so were they like your customers, like in the same startup? Did you start working with them or what happened in that very first approach of being a business owner, going into a job you had never done, at least for full time, it was part of your job, yeah. but you've never uh, had been working as such, right? With that new title, freelance yeah. translator, translator, business owner, all of that stuff. I, I can only imagine the, the shock. <laughs> It was, it was. And um, at that time, it was very different from today. I mean, mm -hmm. internet was just in its infancy. Uh, we didn't have uh, online uh, terminology basis, banks. Uh, I remember uh, being given a CD-ROM with Termion, you know, the Quebec terminology uh, bank. So it was pre uh, prehistory. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a dinosaur. I mean, for the younger generation, I'm a dinosaur. Oh, don't say that because I was already, you know, pretty much on the market in 2002. <laughs> I was already out there. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, I learned everything from scratch. And I must say, um, one thing is still the same today is that I, um, I tried to connect with other translators. It was mm -hmm. not as easy, but we, uh, when I was working in the startup, we used uh, quotes. We we called on the services of a translator mm -hmm. to translate from French into English because I only translate in the other direction. Mm -hmm. And so I reached out to her and asked her. Oh, how she worked. cool. Yeah, so she she was kind enough to, I mean, she was very kind to spend some time explaining her work, the tools she used. She said, oh, you have to get Trados, Trados. So I printed out the whole user guide and I had a big binder. Right. <laughs> because there were no videos to, uh -huh. to teach us how to use Trados. I don't know how you learned or another cat tool. It was a bit later than that. And uh, yeah. I, my first, when I first started working, I, I worked uh, on site. So I didn't have my own software. I worked at people's software. Uh, yes. so I, I only bought my first cat tools in 2010. Okay. So they had <laughs> had the time to debug all the problems. Yes. And I was used to other cat tools. So they were, they were custom yeah. made for those clients, but, uh, so the, the, I guess the, the one that I used the most was, was the one that they had for, for Apple. So that's what I worked first. Yes. I saw that on your profile. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I imagine how, how amazing it was for you to all of a sudden to get into this new oh, group, right? I had to learn everything because, um, most of my, uh, colleagues or friends from school had, gone to work in uh, translation agencies in London, for instance, as oh. their first job. Because okay. they wanted to be translators, they wanted to be interpreters, and I didn't really know what I wanted, so that's why I took another road. But um, yeah, I learned everything from scratch, and yes, the startup gave me a first job, but I was not comfortable with it because it was translating in the other direction, and this oh. is not something I do. So I had someone to proofread um, my work. And then the platform which helped me uh, find my first uh, clients was Prose, mm -hmm. Prose.com, which yep. still exists. Yes. And I, <laughs> yeah, <heard> that. <laughs> it's still there. <laughs> and I got a really nice contract uh, working for British Airways. Mm. So uh, yes, I translated their website for many, many months. I was invited to take part in meetings in Paris, so I flew Ooh, to Paris. Girl, <laughs> I, that was a that was a 
cool first uh, project. So you are a name dropper, just like me. I hear you. <laughs> I told you. Yeah. So, and then British Airways, then other comp uh, air flight, I mean, uh, companies, flying uh -huh. companies. Okay. Like Flybe and other low cost companies. And, and then I switched to working on uh, tech documents because I had seen a lot of the tech stuff in the, in the startup because it was a secure, well, it built appliances and security appliances. Well, I won't go into details, but mm -hmm. so the I had- Technical, full-blown technical. technical. Yeah, you worked in Apple. So you saw uh, from the inside how a tech <laughs> company works. Yes, I guess. I mean, we there was a, a full-blown uh, translation department or localization department already at that stage. So I, yeah. it's not like I was with everybody else. So, there, when I was okay. on site, it was just people who were doing the same as, as me. So I, I didn't see the the ins and outs. Okay, <laughs> it was already a huge thing when I got there. Trust me. <laughs> it was a, yeah, our startup was small in the beginning. Yeah. Then it got, grew big, and then really small. <laughs> The iPhone was already out when I went there. So that means that it was already, you know, as, as the, the status of the company is the same as as, as today. So I, I was not there <laughs> while yeah. this were happening. So now mm -hmm. I didn't see anything. Except for Steve Jobs, who had uh, oh, lunch. Oh, you saw Steve Jobs? <laughs> right, because he, he was having lunch. The first time that I, ha that I had lunch there, he was having lunch on a, on a nearby table. So everybody was like, that's him. And I was like, oh, there he is. <laughs> That's it. Name dropping, name dropping again. <laughs> because I was I was in California, and when you live in California, this is what you live for. Because I mean, if you haven't seen anyone, where have you been, right? So it's true that I saw a lot of you know famous people. So it's when I talk about the states, I'll immediately start name dropping. But it, I told you that it's a bit of a of a problem of mine. But it happens when you work for big companies, or you know, it's just normal that we talk about it. That that's that's what they're called, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So then, what happened? How did it evolve? How did it evolve? To be honest, uh, I kind of, um, what's the English expression for that? <clears throat> I kind of didn't do much for 20 years because I didn't need to uh, prospect to, to mm. find prospects and clients. They came to me mm. by word of mouth, by, I worked with the big, big, uh, big translation agencies and when a project manager changed and went to work in another agency he would you know mm -hmm. still call on us uh so it worked just like this for 20 years and that was enough for me i didn't think of growing or diversifying or doing anything it just i mean the work came in but then uh i think when did it start changing and i, and I got my first direct clients and that that was another way of working and I really enjoy working with direct clients because the relationship is different. Your role is different too. <laughs> too. Yeah. And the rates, the rates are different too. Everything is different, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> and then it was the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And um, and then that's when I, well, I, it was a very good year business-wise uh, because uh, I had work, I had work to do, but I felt I needed to diversify, do something else. And there, there was something that was at the back of my mind uh, is how can I find a way to mix music and languages? How 
do I build this bridge and turn it into a new thing, a new activity? And the first idea was, well, that was one trigger. The second was I was starting to have pain in my shoulder from the long hours working in front of my computer. And working on written documents wasn't enough anymore. I needed to get back to the <laughs> communication connection with people. I guess the pandemic and the lockdowns uh, had a, a role in that, played a role in that. So all the, with all these questions, I, I felt I really needed to think about it seriously. And so I saw people going into uh, SEO writing or copywriting, content writing. And I thought, yeah, that's fine, but it's still writing. It's still not the spoken language. Mm -hmm. And then I, th I thought, um, you know, I used to be a big fan of um, The Voice, American Idol. I watch <laughs> everything. I watch all yeah. of those. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> These talent shows, really. You're talking about it as if they were over, but they're all there. <laughs> I know, but it has changed. I think it has, it has. slightly. It yeah, has but I still changed. watch it because I cannot help it. <laughs> Yeah, I love discovering new voices. Yeah. I, I know you love voices. You're sen sensitive about this. I mean, you you pay attention to voices. Yes, I, I think about it a lot. Let's say that. Yeah. <laughs> and since I do a lot of music on the side too, I play the piano and I sing in the band. Ah, wait a minute. <laughs> she wasn't just translating all the time in her computer. She was also... There were other activities you were doing while sitting down, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I needed that. I needed to, I needed to get out of the office and be with people and and singing and playing music with other people is wow. a great way of doing that. And so that's why I was thinking, how can I blend everything in? Mm -hmm. And so I've been taking uh, singing lessons for ages. Um, and the thing is, I perceive that in the things that singing teachers or local coaches teach us, uh, when they tell us, oh, you can change that sound a little bit, you can change your mm sound, in, uh, uh, you can change the E sound into that mm -hmm. when, you reach, uh, when you reach a high pitch, mm -hmm. to make it sound less cringy and more uh, round. So, these are little things that singers use to tweak their sound and make it both comfortable for their uh, voice mm -hmm. and uh, pleasant for the listeners. Mm -hmm. So I've been exper experimenting these things because when I go uh, in, a uh, in a rehearsal with my band, uh, uh, we mostly sing. With I mostly my band? You have a band? Yeah, I have a band. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, we, what shall we talk about in this conversation <laughs> i'm just like all over the place i'm like what let's talk about this let's talk about that <laughs> well nothing like madonna well <laughs> nothing like madonna. is like madonna so you don't have to say it <laughs> no i mean we do that as amateurs you know uh -huh. we, we gather uh, every week and we make we play in a few cafes or 
uh, bars. Oh, but you went think... to display to the public. Oh my God, that's insane. That's insane. That's insane. <laughs> yeah, for an introvert, that's uh, quite a <laughs> challenge. <laughs> I guess an introvert, it's not something that I would consider that you are, but maybe you consider yourself. But... Yes, I am. <laughs> um, I was trying, you know, to take the things that I've learned through music, with music, and say, well, there must be a connection. So back to the voice, when I would listen to French singers sing in English. You would immediately were... see that they were French because you could recognize yes. the accent, of course. Yes. I mean, it's not a problem per se, but mm -hmm. it's a problem when it just, uh, it just hurts, harms the performance and harm and uh, hinders the message. I mean, the message is not delivered as it should be. And the listeners, me as a listener, I would just focus on the things that were not right and forget about the meaning, about the voice. So I thought... Let's say you have a very educated ear. It's normal that you focus on things in a different way. Maybe. Maybe that played a part. Yes. So I thought, hmm, maybe there's something to do with that. Maybe I can help French singers improve their pronunciation in their singing. I wouldn't ah, do it. You work with singers. That's something I didn't know. Wait, wait, wait. Ah, wait, wait. <laughs> that was the initial idea. That ah. was the initial idea. So, yes, I'm going to do that. Help French singers improve their pronunciation in English when they okay. sing. So I, talk, I talked about it to my friends. I said, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. I didn't know if there was a market. I didn't know if it was feasible. I didn't have any connections in the business. Um, so, a few weeks after telling a good friend of mine uh, about this idea, she called me back and she said, huh, I spoke to my niece's mother-in-law, who is in Australia, and she's learning French uh, because for family reasons, but she's, um, she's, she's not satisfied because when she speaks French, people do not understand her. And when I told you, when I told her about you, she said, oh, Isabel Singh, so she must know about prosody. So I would like to meet her and maybe work with her. So my friend connected us and I didn't know much about prosody in the, the theory of prosody. So I looked into that. I told that lovely lady, this lovely lady, okay, in six weeks time, let me get back to you and We'll start working. So I looked at many things. I read many things and we started working together. So, so what is that concept really? So the concept was to use um, songs as a teaching material to help her improve her pronunciation in her speech. In, uh, her but in this case, in French. In French. Yes, I don't teach English. So it was, uh, yes, the other way around. Exactly. That's what I said. Yeah, that's what I said to my friend. But I told you I want to help them with their English. Said, yeah, but it's the same. Mm, not quite. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> so this lady was my first client. And so we worked for a few months together. And so 
Frog City basically is working also not only on the sounds, so the sounds that are not correctly pronounced, but also on the intonations, mm. on the rhythm, on the stress patterns, on the pauses you make you make when you speak. So it's all what we call suprasegmental aspects. That's the smart word for it. <laughs> the correct terminology. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but as a, you have a background, it's a big background in uh, linguistics, so I, I thought I should use the right word. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Pretend I'm not here. <laughs> so, and, and singing it makes this possible. And so I backed my intuition uh, with lots of readings of uh, scientific articles on that. And I found very interesting articles written by a singing teacher for opera singers, who was also a phonetics teacher in a French university. And he wrote many papers on the subject, how songs can be useful in language teaching for pronunciation, because um, it helps to train the ear, because the, the pitches are uh, in a wider range than the spoken voice. So when you have difficulties, hearing the pitches in the spoken voice, maybe you can start with a song. It's good for the rhythm because you can clap with your hands. So it, it covers, well, it's a very useful and relevant tool, tool. And I was happy to read that someone as um, qualified, trained, yeah, qualified <laughs> as this professor had written about this and confirmed what I felt. So I, I digged further uh, into that. Wow. And, uh, <laughs> that's how the idea uh, emerged. Wow. And, uh, so I've been, uh, well, I had to train, obviously. <laughs> so I attended uh, an online course on how to correct the, uh, the phonetics, the pronunciation of uh, foreign learners. Uh -huh. um, it's, I mean, I'm at the beginning of this journey still because I feel that there is still so much to discover um, in, this, uh, in this field. And so today I teach um, non-native uh -huh. speakers to improve their pronunciation, but I also have got a singer who needs to improve her pronunciation when she sings in French, but opera, she's an opera singer. Oh my God, I that love is, it. <laughs> that is fascinating. That is fascinating because the diction is completely different. Um, and so she contacted me through a musician forum on Facebook. And uh, we, we did a few courses online. She's in the States. So we did a few courses. She sent me the music sheets and uh, we worked on those. And she already speaks French. So th this is a big uh, uh, asset. I mean, it's a big advantage for her. She already speaks very good French, but uh, she had trouble with some of the sounds. Uh, and when it, the problem is that in opera singing, it's important to uh, to take care of the voice. So you cannot ask a, an opera singer to just, okay, put the, the, the sound forward. Yeah, uh -huh. you have to know that if you do that, this creates uh, 
this has an impact on the voice, on the voice quality. So it's really a fine balancing of the work on the sound that the singers do and on the clarity of their singing, because people now in the audience want to understand what the lyrics mean. Mm-hmm. And this beautiful and smart and great uh, opera singer uh, wanted to really uh, do some fine tuning, really fine tuning. For example, in English, you have the dental T's and D's, which are clearer. And when you sing in French, and if the T's and D's are too uh, crisp, you notice that and you have to make them (laughs) soft. And like the word, there's a word which is uh, uh, that you find in many operas. It's cuore, the heart, and cor, cor is corpus, uh, the body. So the e and the o Uh are quite close when you place them in the mouth. And when you sing them on high pitch, high pitches, you really have to give precise directions on where to place the sound to produce the right word. So that that was fascinating. I loved it. I, just I can only it. imagine. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Yes, I know. I, I can only imagine how amazing it has been for you. But in the midst of all this, the reason why I even invited you to talk to me uh, on the podcast or what called my attention. The reason is because you are fascinating, obviously, but <laughs> what called my attention was this uh, song, the transcreation process that you talked about and all of that. So you were saying that you were doing your technical translations and all of that, but then I, I can only imagine that they were of a wide variety of subjects. I know exactly how it goes. And then, of course, I have done it too. So I have done uh, songs that have appeared in in real life. Um, oh, tell us about movies. Them. No, I won't. <laughs> <laughs> because I can't. <laughs> but yeah, that's true. So I've, I was I was asked to to work on a few songs, and then one of my versions was actually chosen uh, to be in this uh, specific movie. So that was. It's insane to listen to a character uh, seeing uh, your words. Of course, it's it's just insane. So I know yeah. I know how that feels, and I've done it also for for other people. There were I worked for a music company for a while, and there was a moment where the owner of the company, he's American, he's a singer, and he wrote two songs that needed to be sung by uh, Brazilian, very popular musicians. So I had to create the versions too. So I know in other occasions too, even for, for friends to understand, friends in the music business needed to understand lyrics uh, from one language to the other. So like I, I have done it a lot and I've thought about it a lot and I have been oh, thinking nice. about all of that because of my Madonna history, right? It's 35 years of thinking of Madonna songs. So I use them for everything, including you know exercises of translation and all of that stuff. So um, I, I kind of was fascinated by that because I do that too, and I absolutely love it. And it's something I could do. I'd love to do it on a, on a weekly basis, to be honest. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because when it's real, it's totally different. I remember when I was working on those songs for the movie, that it was like, I would wake up already thinking about that. And all of a sudden, I would just sit down and... And then just tweak. But the first version would come to me like, room. Oh, nice. After knowing the song really, really well, because they were unknown to me. So uh, it was it was unbelievable. It was actually very uh, comedic. So the content was pretty complicated with words that had to be really thought about because 
you know, there was a bit of a, a poop involved and things like that. <laughs> because it's actually an animated movie. It's an animated mm -hmm. movie. <laughs> so but was it think about was it, was it like a uh, did you have to recreate uh from or from or the English version yeah from the English okay. version but to keep the same meaning the same message the same yes, idea because it was a movie and you could see the the, yeah. the the images right so I had access to all that to, to okay. create the version and that was absolutely amazing so the other times were a bit more informal or they were just for the song itself and I was there with the person who had written the song things like that but that time I was just contacted by one of those big Uh, movie companies and studios that I used to work for because I did a lot of uh, subtitling, QA and all of that on site for subtitles because I lived right there in Hollywood, right? So um, I used to go on site and do a lot of that. So one of those times, it was that, right? They asked me to transcreate two of the songs in the, mm -hmm. in the animation movie and I did it. So one of them was picked up, the other one wasn't. And of course, I've, I already felt much more confident about the one that was picked up, but uh, just to hear it back, it's just... Oh, well, yeah, with the voice yeah. of the chosen, uh, yeah. chosen singer. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's a fascinating world. And there's so much more that comes into play when you translate or transcreate a song than just the words. That, that's exactly. what I'm writing about. It's uh, the, the, the rhythm of the words, the music of the words. The, it has to uh, sound natural in the target language. And further to that post, I had a very interesting discussion uh, online with, um, with a fellow translator who uh, pointed out a, a singer, a Spanish singer, I don't remember the name, sorry, I would have to look him up, but who sings uh, in French and in Spanish. So mm. I, don't, I do not speak Spanish. Right. Uh, I listened to both versions. And the only thing... I listened to was the music of the words and the emotion. And the thing was, I found that the, the Spanish version was really emotional and he conveyed different things in his voice. Then the French version, he had a perfect accent. So nothing to say about that. It was just flawless, uh -huh. but it was off balance. <laughs> the, the important words were on not on the stressed, on, on the beats, on the right beats. It was the smaller words, the, like the connecting words, and, well, e, u, uh, do the smaller words, you know, to, to link the parts of the speech, which were on the, on the beats. So it, you, I couldn't really understand the meaning because of this, uh, this arithmetic, arithmetic, Did you say that? Wow. Arrhythmia, no, I, I would yeah, say. Well, it, it was not, the, the rhythm was not yeah. right. So mm -hmm. I don't know what the word would be, but anyway. So that's one aspect that needs to be taken into account. And also, as you said, you had access to the, to, to the images. To the, yeah, to, to the, the visuals. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so that's essential. And uh, what I wrote in, in, in that post was that you also have to have access to to know the singer, his background, what he wants to say, um, his style, because if you're just sent ah. the, the lyrics and you, okay, is it a rap? Is it a love song? Of course, it, just the lyrics won't cut it because then how- And the music <laughs> and the music and the time that I got this request, I didn't have access to the music. So it made no sense uh, for me to work 
in a rush with not with no music, no brief, mm-hmm. no brief like what any transcreation. Yeah, Madonna actually has it before the Evita time. Every time I say that Madonna has a full blown song in in Spanish. Everybody's like, oh, yeah, from the Evita time. No, in the Evita time, she had one that had the chorus in in Spanish. Okay, don't cry for me, Argentina, in like a techno version. (laughs) Anyway, that's one. It's like that. But she has a full-blown song in Spanish. Like, it's it's an exact version. Well, not an exact version, but it's exactly the same song, but sung in uh, Spanish by her. And it actually, it's called You'll See in English. And then in Spanish, it's called Verás. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. okay it's yeah actually very close and it works really really well because i i think that the person who did it really had a lot of knowledge on both the original song and also madonna's voice and style and that she cannot reach high in certain circumstances and all of that was taken into consideration so i find it fascinating i'll send it to you because i think it's just a very successful uh thing to do and i i think that it's very beneficial for singers to actually venture into singing their own songs, uh, unless it's something that they, they cannot even imagine because people have different relationships with these subjects, obviously. But I would find it super interesting to see how people would sing the same song, their yeah. song, yeah, yeah, but themselves. It must be absolutely fascinating. Well, th- there have been some, uh, because the, I'm thinking of a French singer well, she's old now, uh, but she was one of my heroes because she's a singer and piano player. She's, uh-huh. she's called Veronique Sanson. Mm-hmm. So she was very famous in the 70s and the 80s. Um, and I discovered recently that she has translated some of the songs in okay, English, German, Italian, and Spanish. Herself, you think, or was it with other people in No, well... For English, it may have been herself because she lived in um, in California for a while. <laughs> she had a love story with a very famous uh, American uh, guitar player, so she she speaks fluently. Uh-huh. But I listened to the different versions, and she has a very good accent in all languages because she's a really good musician. And it's really interesting to listen to the different versions sung by the author. Yep. And I discovered that there was a song, one, one of these songs that she's, I would need to, to find the references and I can send them later to you if you want. Um, one of the songs had two versions in English, one that she sung and another one which was uh, a cover uh, but also with different lyrics but the same melody. Uh-huh. I think it was, I don't want to be mistaken, with Shirley Basie or, so I, I look this up and maybe I'll send those references for people who. But do, do you have this, I remember in Portugal we had this trend probably by the late 80s, I would say. The song that I can immediately think about, the, the one is, <laughs> the end the, the version is not so good, but the person is so popular. Uh, it was, I just called to say I love you. There is a Portuguese uh, version and the man is really well known. He's one of our most well-known uh, singers, but it's just, 
it's just so funny the way that they did it because to, to from Portuguese to English to from English to Portuguese is such a huge difference in metrics. So in order to fit all of that and make a popular song the way they had to do it, so I, I love focusing on these little details. Do you have this? I'm sure you did. You had this trend in French. In the too, 70s. But it was, yes, probably seventies, eighties. Yeah, seventies. The the French uh, singers from the Ye Ye generation they imported. Well, they they copied. <laughs> Or, yeah. they made versions right that's what it is yes so they they took songs that were popular in the united states and adapted them in french um and there were also some cases where it was the other way around oh. like like my way actually is an adaptation of a french song called comme d'habitude i have listened to that recently yeah. i have to say <laughs> You have you have listened to yes I, have I knew it nothing to do one with another. I mean, they have very different stories, yeah. uh, very different voices, very different arrangements. But the original is French, so it's worth mentioning. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Yes, yeah, so for some reason, I I came across that information recently, not so long ago. So that is really interesting. So I see that both of us focus on really similar things because our interest in music, of course, you I cannot compare. Uh, with you because you are a musician which I'm not but I have to say that I'm one of these people who sings every day and I sing into I always say that to my mentoring uh, people in because I, I'm a mentor for, for English right oh, I use songs all the time and one of the things that I do is I talk and sing into the microphone with headphones on to listen to myself yeah. so I have a lot of people would be like, oh, I couldn't bear listening to myself, hearing myself back, all of that. <sighs> but this is what I do. I do it every day. I do it on, on a regular basis. Uh, if I have a, th that year near me, today is not the case, but usually I record with the other microphone. And that's that's what happens. So the, 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 um, the headphones are plugged into the microphone and I listen to myself singing and talking yes. and all of that because I, I like listening with a, a real <laughs> with a real focus what I'm doing and what I say and, and why I do it and why I pronounce it the way or that way. Because being a Madonna fan from super early age, I was 10 when I vowed to be a Madonna fan forever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so that I've always done that because I, I wanted to get my pronunciation as, as good as I could, right? And this so is technique, <laughs> the technique that I found at an early age to actually keep on doing it. And I believe that it works. So I it just I keep on it doing does. it. <laughs> It is so important to listen to yourself yes, when you learn very. the language. And because you have to really get to know your voice, you mm -hmm. have to make peace with it. Because I know that when I listened to the first recordings we did with our small bands, mm -hmm. uh, I was, oh, no, no, were no. you shocked? Did you, did you yeah, have I, that relationship with your voice? Yeah. Why? Because I love uh, dark voices, dark sound voices. <laughs> And you voice. don't have one. <laughs> no, I'm a, I have a light voice, a soprano voice yeah. in classical, and I love blues music. I love soul ah. music. So I have to use, I've learned to use effects. You uh -huh. can put effects just like on the microphone when right. it works. You, you can use effects to produce the same intention, even if your voice doesn't have the same color. Uh -huh. But yeah, in uh, when I listened to my voice, I thought, oh, no, 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 and I could hear all the mistakes. So that's <laughs> that applies that applies to singing voice and also to speaking voice. So that's uh -huh. one of the things I keep repeating in my posts 
for people who want to practice their spoken language is repeat, 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 shadow, whatever, but record yourself and listen to yourself because you are the best judge and you'll be able to make adjustments. So it worked with you. Yeah, I, I absolutely love it. I do it all the time. I, I'm a fan of that self <laughs> yeah. indulging technique. Sometimes I feel like a bit of a narcissist for <laughs> wanting to be a voice narcissist. But this is it. I have a, a very strong connection to anything that is that comes out of my mouth. <laughs> you need to sing you need to i do i i sing a lot so, but not for other people obviously but for myself and it really makes me happy i have to say you have to go on stage obviously with oh, why what no 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 it's totally fine i sing a lot of mantras too so that's I, i'm uh, the, the songs for me the music that i hear is are very very different either my madonna stuff that's very pop and very you know uh, and then I also have my my mantras in you know I, a lot of mantras in in Latin in Sanskrit in Tibetan so I love that and I, I love to to tweak a little bit of my pronunciation here and there in that circumstance too so for me this is all one thing this is all work this is all life this is music this is voice this is you know pronunciation all of this is just one thing for me I mean I love phonetics and of course I've always I've also studied phonetics and I love it. Yes. It's I've done, yeah, it's just unbelievable. The things that can come out of our mouths and the, the fact that we connect with our voice is such an important step in, of knowledge and it will help you throughout everything that you need to do in life. This is the way I see it. <laughs> yes, yes, because it's a shame. I, I think it's a shame when people have studied languages for so long and they have massive knowledge and they mastered the grammar, they have vocabulary that I wish I had because I still have to search for my words. <laughs> it's not gonna go get better, but anyway. <laughs> uh, and and they are they don't feel comfortable and confident speaking. And these are the people I try to help because uh yeah that was one one of the things that made me want to work on pronunciation is to help also these people uh feel more confident about their voice in, in, in French. And this makes me think of something that you said before we started the recording about the French language, which I hear some people often say, yeah, in French, I cannot express my personality. It's that's me, natural. that's me for sure. Yeah, that's why I say that. I, I told one. you, it's my yeah. silent language. It's like, because I, I, I have no idea to be honest. And I think because of all this, I'm thinking, yeah, so I should just start doing what I did for everything else. I will sing into the microphone in French. So I'll be waiting for you to send me a few links <laughs> of songs yeah. that I sure. could. One of the things that, well, I actually know quite a few songs in French from Celine Dion because I think she is a very different artist when she sings in English and when she sings in, in French. So I, I will not... I know a few songs in English too because I do. It's, it's they they just stick. Yeah. <laughs> but the truth is that I I think that her live performances in France and all in French and all of that are just amazing. And we we have this CD at home called uh, Live à Paris. So yeah. as kids we would listen to it all the time, all the time, all the time. And she was actually the first song that she was famous for. Uh, encore, right? It was in French to begin with, right? Exactly. So I mean. There's more emotion. There's also the, that thing when singers sing in a language that is not their language, 
it's more difficult to connect with the lyrics. That's and cool. and I think Celine Dion, uh, I don't know everything about her songs, <laughs> but what I feel is that when she sings in French, she uh, conveys more emotion. There's and more the subjects emotion. are very different. Very, and very different. It's like, it's like the songs are marketed for the specific audience also yeah, true. when she sings in american i know that she had to take uh accent reduction for classes oh she did i don't know <laughs> yeah I, th i think so when she worked on her uh, american accent to had to make a career an international career is it in the beginning she's a, a french speaker Canadian uh -huh. French speaker. Right. so i feel that the music is is made for the international audience and the things she sings in French are made for the French audience and they do, not, they do not uh, radiate the same thing. It's like she's a totally different artist. That that it was when I heard about it, when I heard the, the French songs, I'm like, oh my God, I was almost shocked because it's, it's like you say, it's very intense, deep, very emotional. And it, it actually comes in very well into my ear. <laughs> ah, so that's a good motivation to, to sing and speak French. I told you my French is usually for for taxi rides and things like that if I if I go to Paris. So yeah. <laughs> that's as far as I go. Oh my god, it was amazing uh to get to know you better. Oh uh, yes, we're almost we an hour. We <laughs> it's just because there's so much that we could just keep on talking yeah. about because this is like a, an endless endless subject for people like you and me who really just see the connection. I actually I, I cannot disconnect music and and my working languages it's just the the way it goes i even have like i always say i have a secret sentence that i say if i haven't been uh, speaking the english the whole day and then all of a sudden i need to do it usually i use the same sentence do you have that do you have that little trick a sentence that you it's complicated to pronounce that oh, you say yes, to like yourself. A tongue twister or, yeah. yeah not really a tongue twister that is official but it's a, a madonna sentence that she says in her mm -hmm. first uh, tour Right, and it's really complicated to pronunciate, and so I. <laughs> well, I find it complicated. Maybe it's not, but it's. Uh, she says, "You know, I was never elected a homecoming queen or anything, but I sure feel like one now because she's back in her hometown, you know, in Detroit. So that's why she says it, and I say it in different speeds at different. Yes. That's you know, good start by going very slow. You know, I was never elected." <laughs> Yeah. And then at the end, I'll just get it, get it, get it. My practicing uh, sentence. Excellent practice. That's a good idea for my students. <laughs> <laughs> That's my my real trick. Yeah. Oh, my God, this was amazing. I'm sure we'll be in touch soon. And who knows if I don't have to revamp. Well, I mean, not revamp, but bring my, my French into life. Oh. With pleasure, with pleasure. It was it was really lovely, Rita. I was yeah. Um, it was a pleasant conversation and uh, full of surprises and direction. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, this is what happened when you don't really prepare. But at the same time, that's really the idea: is not to have something that you know. Let's talk about this, this, and that, and that. It might happen, but it's it's not the case in 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 our particular episode. So this was absolutely amazing. It was great to get to know you. And I will keep on following your posts and your content because, as you can see, it's something that it's absolutely relevant in my daily life, too. So I totally, totally will Thank continue you. following. You're doing an amazing job. And I love hearing about these things that people do. People who work in languages have unbelievable backgrounds and they do amazing things. 
And that's really the idea of the podcast to talk about those, you know, totally different backgrounds and all of those things that us language workers have. So thank you so much. And thank I'll you for see having you around. me. Yeah, <laughs> thank, thank you, you Rita. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Bye.